of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. That's all we need to know. I think I can go home now. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that I'm a minister because I am a sucker for ritual and ritual seasons. I think it's a genius that religious traditions have created them, all kinds of them. I love the invitation. Advent and its invitation to do the work of preparation for some kind of birth in our lives. Yom Kippur and the invitation, the deadline to make things right with others. As right as you can before one year of writing deeds in the book of life ends and another one begins. I love Hinduism with its invitation to a sense of the larger ritual seasons of life. All of it, how life begins with the season of the student or the brahmacharin, where you study and you surrender yourself to a teacher and the imparting of knowledge and the discipline of formation. And then when you marry or begin your career, you enter the role of the householder, this keeper of institutions, this provider and protector of others, this strong backbone of society. And how finally when you're 60 or your first grandchild is born or maybe whichever comes first, you begin to explore life as the forest dweller invited to detach, to begin to focus on the spiritual things Maybe at some point, literally leaving behind possessions and family to wander as an ascetic beyond the bounds of worldly things to go deeper into the mysteries of life and maybe, maybe prepare for death. I love all of it. One danger, I think, of being human, probably, but maybe a little more intense for us as Unitarian Universalists, a little spiritual precipice we can fall off of, all of us, is this mythology or sometimes delusion we can get that we are unique. And of course we are, each of us, with our own stories, but there are limits. I have a friend, actually, whose brother is one of those folks who believes that everything he feels or struggles with is something that no one else can understand because he is sure that he is different, so different and so special. She and I joke amidst our frustration sometimes that irony of ironies, I'm pretty sure there is actually a diagnosis in the DSM for just such people, <laughs> proving that he's really not so unique at all. Because really the truth is, we human beings, as different as we are, and we are, 
We do tend to circle around some of the same or similar categories of needs and questions and challenges and growing edges. Kathleen Norris, who's a poet and an author, has written a lot of books, most of them in some way about rediscovering on her own terms the religious life. She wrote a book years ago called Amazing Grace. It's a book that's literally like a, a, a glossary of religious language. Each entry about a page long of a word, a traditional religious word, but what it is really when you dive beneath just the table of contents, it's her wrestling with and reclaiming all of these words on her own terms, words from her religious tradition, the one she grew up in, words that maybe always are of no use unless we wrestle with and reclaim them. As the bard of Unitarianism said long ago in his famous Divinity School address, quote, whilst the doors of the temple stand open night and day before every person and the oracles of this truth never cease, it is guarded by one stern condition, this, namely, it is an intuition. It cannot be received secondhand. That exhortation of Emerson's didn't mean, in Emerson's mind, that we're supposed to make up all of our own truths and cast off every truth handed down to us. It didn't, did mean we had this responsibility, this religious obligation to own them, to roll them around in our hands and test them and apply them through the prism of our own lived experience and see how they stood up and then take the pieces that endured and and ground them, ground ourselves in them as our own, or cast the pieces off that we decided were outworn and outdated. Truly speaking, Emerson said, it is not instruction but provocation that I can receive from another soul. What he announces, I must find true in me or wholly reject. Norris said, when she started the venture, the vocabulary of religious faith once seemed dead to me. Poetry for her was where she first finds language that more accurately captures the truth of her own religious experience. And yet, struggling with stubbornness, she says, and a, quote, daunting mix of impatience and tenacity. She reclaims language that is part of the Christianity that hers was hers as a child, and she steps into it, into this language and tradition, beginning to see it truly for what it is, this river that, like Heraclitus described, is never the same twice, that's evolving and changing, and us as part of it. And for this poet, Norris, that wrestling with words, with tradition was hard, but in the end, she says, very worth the struggle. I'm with her in that, the work of all of this and the value, not casting off tradition, but with tenacity 
and what's the other word she uses? Impatience. Reclaiming it, passing it through the prism of our own lives. My sense is that the seasons and rituals of so many cultural and religious traditions came about, right, because people over time found ways into, into their gnawing human needs and found their pivotal questions held in ways that over a lifetime felt powerful to find a way to hold and invite us through and into and offered these seasons and rituals as their legacy, their gift to us if we accepted them. These designated times and spaces, these ritual opportunities to do some of the work that they thought was worth doing. And the good news for us as Unitarian Universalism is that we have an enormous amount of space. We have a lot of room to play with and rethink and restructures these vessels and these invitations. A couple of years ago, hurrying out of one meeting at church, Sherry, who was our intern then, and I rushed across the street to St. Mark's Church to attend their midday Ash Wednesday service. Sadly, like the cobbler's child who perennially has no shoes, the ministers were late to the service, as it turns out, and missed, if you can believe it, the ashes, missed the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday, oi. We didn't really talk about why we both wanted to go, but I think we both craved that imposition real or symbolic, on our foreheads. This invitation to reflect and prepare. Laura Brandis, the UU minister who was formerly here in California in Thousand Oaks and now is at Horizon Unitarian Universalist Church in Carrollton, Texas. She talked about her experience of Ash Wednesday in the reading that we shared this morning. For her, the words that her UU colleague said to her, from dust we come and dust we shall return, were grounding. They were comforting, particularly at a time when she was struggling, strangely, with the loss of a child. It was comforting. Because these ashes, of course, were a reminder of her and our mortality. Mortality, which was absolutely the cause of her pain and what made her never alone in it. To dust, we would all return. Never easy, not easy, but true. And it's that reminder that opens up this season of Lent that's happening all around us that we're in the middle of right now. Begun on Ash Wednesday, 40 days, ending with the Thursday Passover Seder right before Easter. This time is the time we're supposed to be somber, but it's also supposed to be grounding and comforting and invitational. I find it strange to think of it that way because of course I always associate Lent or have did growing up when I heard about it as this penitence, like the words that were said in that hospital chapel to Lori Brandis when she went looking for solace. 
and found it in the connection with people, but not in the words that were spoken. But really, originally, these days, they were just supposed to be this ritual mirror of the 40 days that Jesus, in the story, spends into the desert. This time when he's fasting, and he's going inward, and he's reflecting, and he's wrestling. He's wrestling with worldly temptation, which I think is a way to talk about the fact that he's wrestling with everything around us that sometimes can cloud cloud us from the underlying reality of ashes to ashes clarity that we want to stay grounded in, right? The hope was that, like Jesus in the story, we all, if we'd found ways to enter into some kind of similar space of reflection and inwardness, that we would emerge from such ritual times a little better equipped, a little better prepared each year to step into whatever hard and important things that life would ask of us, to walk with more grace, with more courage, and more love at the center. Having put the other things in their place at the periphery, I think most of us think of Lent as a season that's about giving something up, right? Some luxury, some indulgence. And that's the way it's often thought of and used. I've always seen that practice as some way that we do try to, in, in our own lives, without going into the desert, do something that's a daily reminder that puts worldly desire in perspective. It never worked for me, as I wrote in my sermon description. I once gave up soda, and I'm not a big soda drinker, and I gave up, drank more soda in the time I had pledged to give it up than I ever do in a six-month period. So that, that didn't work for me. But I do like the idea that also when we pull in some ritual commitment, that it can be an offering that we make also to the universe that says in our doing it, I am open to your wisdom. I am open to revelation. I am open to insight in this moment. I am opening myself. And in so doing, we wake up to probably the insights that are available to us all the time if we wake up and go looking for them. It does strike me, though, that giving something up this year feels particularly, I don't know, not appropriate, though do what feels right for you. But I guess I'm struck by how I feel like in a spiritual, personal way, we're all really already in a a fast this Lent. Uninvited, you and I have already had so many things stripped away from us, right? Dinner out, travel, theater, hugging, or singing with anyone who isn't inside our household or our small bubble. And Things have, despite our working to make it so, gotten quiet in ways that we didn't have to engineer, did we? Our streets, our social lives. So I would say that to enter into the spirit of Lent this year, if there is something getting in the way of your reflection, some offering or letting go that feels powerful as a ritual opening, then do it. If, in fact, you're seeking out distraction because you don't like the quiet and the simplification of life that's happened, 
then maybe go on a Facebook fast or a news fast or do the thing that invites that distraction to step aside, that invites you into the desert time in ways that feel more expansive to what it's supposed to invite us into. Or maybe think about what things might feel outworn in your life if you've grown tired of them, especially in all this time trapped with ourselves. Maybe there are pieces of ourselves we've grown tired of. I would like to set complaining aside permanently and judgment aside. I'm working on those. But for others of us, maybe Lent this year could be this invitation to let something into all the silence and space of our lives. Flip the invitation. So maybe in this time where we've had to let go of perfection, we could make more room or throw open the door more broadly for grace and self-compassion, not just now, but going forward. Maybe in this time where we've had to let go of a a clinging to safety because it's been impossible to keep ourselves completely safe and we realize it will be probably forever if we ever could have engineered our own safety. Maybe we can let go of that and open the door for reasonable vulnerability of the kind that makes room for new life experiences and deeper, more vulnerable friendships, real friendships. Maybe we can do any number of things, give up a distrustful relationship with food that so many have and take up the joy of cooking, maybe with music and dancing in the kitchen, which I think more of us have been doing of late to let go of all that life energy we have. And maybe we can learn to love our beautiful bodies and let ourselves take up more space in the world. Do we try to go to more stand-up comedy? Because Dave apparently is out around a lot, so we'd have a familiar face. Or just let ourselves laugh a little more, let life be a little lighter. Not because we don't have worries, but just because we're gonna give up worry in place of trust in the wild ride, and it is a wild ride of life in this universe. A life we can't really control anyway. So I ask folks, as we play with these inherited invitations, chosen imposition, what needs to take a back seat in your life? Or get invited lovingly to sit in the chair in the corner to take a step back. And what what do you want to invite to take a step forward and to join you on the stage of life or the dance floor? Life can be and Lent can be a chance to do that kind of experiment. When they rub the ashes on your forehead on the day that you are next reminded that we ultimately all returned to dust, 
What will you wish you had let go of? And what will you wish you would have danced with? Go and do both. Use this season as your excuse. As people have for centuries, for millennia. And use it as a reminder, as we're meant to, that we don't really have time to waste. Fuller life is always there for the taking, and there's always, and here is, one more way in. So after this year in the desert, it's time to get ready, my friends, for life beyond it. And to that end, happy Lent, everyone. Yes, happy Lent. Make of it what you will and be blessed. Amen. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org 